Hi, I'm Corey Gresick, and welcome to my podcast. In this show, I interview people you've likely never heard of, or at least not yet. Each week, I sit down with a different, very talented young creative and talk to them about themselves, their work, and what they hope to achieve. This is Artists, Actors, and Activists of the 21st Century. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Artists, Actors, and Activists of the 21st Century with me, your host, Corey Gresick. My guest this week is a great friend of mine. She is someone who I went to high school with. She's an actor, a director, an activist, and honestly, just a very vulnerable and honest conversationalist, which is something I really admire in people. Her name is Paige Elise Rose Rupert. In this episode, we dive into her falling in love with acting and directing and learning to direct theater in unconventional ways. We also get into her experience playing a character that's very similar to her mother and all the things that that brought up for her. But the first thing you'll hear from Paige is her rave review of her first experience at Planned Parenthood and all the misconceptions of Planned Parenthood and everything that goes along with that. Without further ado, please enjoy Paige. Hello, Paige. Welcome to me podcast. (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. I always am so flattered when people ask to be on it. And you were like, can I please be on the podcast? And I was like, I'm getting there. I'm just busy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Especially like when you first started the podcast, I was like, I was like, he probably already has like a set list of people. So I don't want to bug him. And then at your grad party and like after that, I was like, please put me on. Please put me on. (laughs) No, and I'm glad because I'm coming back from the hiatus. I'm excited that you're my first new guest. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. Let's talk about something that you particularly wanted to talk about, and I agree that we should talk about on this podcast, which is you had a very recent experience with Planned Parenthood, and I would yeah. just like spill the tea, like go. <laughs> Yes. So I, um, it was, my appointment was October 13th. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I don't need like your medical chart, personal experience. (laughs) I I never took down the, like, I have a bulletin board with just like random things that I need to do or like my schedule or something on there. And I never took down the pit, like the post-it note of my appointment. So when you asked that, I looked directly up and was like, Oh, there it is. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I went because I, I, um, I wanted to get, go for a birth control consultation. And then, um, before Planned Parenthood used to have the policy of like, when you go in for a birth control consultation and you get the birth control, they would give you, um, like a, like a checkup down there. And typically they used to like do the pap smear swab. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they raised the age to 21. So I didn't have to do the swab but I still got a piece of mind mind exam because it was just my first time going in and they left the option open and I was like, well, I'm here and it's free. So (laughs) sure. Why not? And then, um, everything went well though. I came home with some good old birth control pills (laughs) and every, but, um, you know, they actually, it was interesting too, because I figured that they would just give me one pack and that was it. And I was like, okay, like I'll go in for that and I'll have to just go in for, um, my refills there, or like if I were to get insurance, they would send them to like my nearest pharmacy or something. Um, 
but th- they gave me two of them and then I signed up for I don't have insurance currently so they were like oh there's a family services planning option where like basically like I would write down like where I go to school what my you know like month to month income is if I'm working or like if I'm like given money every now and then um and then I could get the medical like anything from there pretty much covered that's insane and it's, yeah. that's just so interesting to me because, like, I feel like when a lot of people talk about Planned Parenthood, they're like, oh, they just do abortions. But, like, did you get an abortion on October 16th? No. <laughs> and it's very much like, and it, it might just be the office that I went to, but I'm guessing it's the similar at all Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood offices. Um, but they there was three floors and the floor I went on was the third floor. And then the, like, I'm guessing the first floor was like for, you know, like maybe like mammograms or something like that. And then the second floor would be for like abortion. So everything is very separate. Like you're not like in one congested waiting room with a, a bunch of, a bunch of different people getting different things done. Like they have it very organized. Um, and they definitely like, I think people do have that misconception about it because abortion is such a, you know, touchy topic with people and with today's current political climate. Right. Uh, But it really, it's so much more than that. And I even, it was, my whole experience there was great. And like when I came home, I almost, I was genuinely like speechless because I, you know, I'd always... I always stood with Planned Parenthood. I always supported them and was very vocal about like, if we defund them like that, it's that's the worst thing that could happen. Like, but having an experience there and like a man came into the office and was getting something checked out, which I think a lot of people also don't realize is that men have, they can get things done at Planned Parenthood. Right, and even like STD testing and everything, like. Right, well, and that's what, so I'll just like give you the rundown of everything I got (laughs) from the appointment. (laughs) Because it, and mind you, this was all free. I did, I paid no money. Like I did not take out my debit card or my credit card like the discover card did not leave the wallet at all (laughs) so i i went in and then in my goodie bag because you leave with a goodie bag i had both um sets of my birth control pills i had three free condoms say that three times fast um (laughs) wait now i'm getting can i actually try now i'm curious yes three free condoms three free condoms nah it's uh, iffy anyway (laughs) um um i had those they gave me it wasn't it's not the actual brand plan b their brand of it is ella but it's the same exact thing it's like an emergency emergency contraception pill um what else did i oh they gave me a card for the therapy that they offer and that's also covered by the family services planning so it would be free therapy and then what i need to like look in the bag (laughs) that i have because i still have it I think that was all from what you have told me previously. Yeah, and then there was, like, my medical papers. and Because um, I was able – that was the other cool thing was, like, I was able to apply for that family's uh, planning services the day of. So it wasn't, like, a thing I had to wait on. I could literally do it the day of, turn it in and everything. All I had to do was give them my Social Security number and then, like, give them a copy of my birth certificate. Right. Um, and then in, their, in, in the actual appointment – 
I went in for the consultation. I was able to ask any questions. Anytime I like was like, oh, this is a silly question. They were like, no, it's not. Like they, they were so much comfort. And I, I'd never felt more heard and more like cared for in a doctor's office than I did there. Um, I got a free uh, STD test, which consisted of HIV, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. And then they did, they do free drug testing as well, but I didn't offer for that because <laughs> <laughs> I knew what the, I knew what the results You knew what, you knew what everything. <laughs> I knew what the, I, I was like, mm, I know what you're going to find. <laughs> and then the, the woman at the reception desk laughed and she's like, hey, we don't judge here. And I was like, thank God. I know. And I feel like that's a very common theme there from what you've said is that like, I've never been to a pill and pan parenthood. Whoa. That's not how you said, <laughs> but I've never personally been to a Planned Parenthood, but the way you describe it and other people I know who've been like, it just seems like such an open, like judge free environment. And I feel like we just need more of that, especially in like the sexual medical world. Yeah. And especially because when I was in the waiting room, there wasn't just women who were my age, there was older women there. And you could tell that like, they were good, that they went there to get their medical. Like it wasn't like, for me, I went there on my like I made the appointment a month in advance and I kind of just I was like I know that this it's down the street it was a five minute walk um from my campus and I was like I don't have insurance so I can't go through like any other doctor or anything like that and if I did I would have to go all the way back home from school and I was like that's just a lot of hassle when I could walk there but the the other women in the office you could tell were there and they were regulars like that's where they got their birth, or maybe not birth control. But even like exams. But like like... Their ma- yeah, their exams, their mammograms, their, you know, maybe, S- I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging the sex lives of older women. If they, you know, like you go, do what you do, girl. <laughs> you need an STD test, get you an STD test. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, that is awesome. Yeah. And, but I want to switch gears a little bit. And let's talk about where you are now. So you were reporting live from your dorm room at Point Park University in which you are a freshman student. Yes, I am. <laughs> so just can you just like talk a little bit about Point Park? Like how has everything been going? And I know uh, particularly like me personally, like being a performance major and having your classes online can always, it's always, it's often a struggle for a lot of people. So I guess I'm sort of just wondering, like, how have you been adjusting to virtual classes and every college in general in the time of coronavirus when things aren't how they normally are, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I, as of right now, I mean, I think everything is going very well. Um, Point Park gave their students the option to choose if they wanted to do classes online or in person. So I only chose to do one class it, online, and it's um, a gen ed class. Right. The the you know all of my arts classes are in person. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and then I have one other gen ed that's like a hybrid. So like every other day I go, and then like you know what I mean, like and then the other days are online. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um. So yeah, I kind of want to talk about your like audition process for Point Park, which is where you are currently at school. Um, So you are, so you originally auditioned to be a BFA actor and now you are in the theater arts program. So like, 
can you kind of just like talk me through your audition and how like the shift happened and like how you decided and they decided that this is the path you wanted to go on yeah so well I knew that I wanted Point Park has been my top choice school since the end of my sophomore year I really didn't know Point Park existed it existed literally until the end of my sophomore year and then I looked more into it and was like oh I, I love this place and a lot of a lot of teachers that I had in high school who I adore to this day and looked up to had gone here so I was like oh like I think this is like the place for me like if they went here and they're doing well and like obviously like I love them like I should be here too um and then when it came time to audition for schools and apply to schools I knew that I wanted to go here and I was like, going to put my mind to it and I work really hard like leading up audition I can get in so I went from having uh seven schools that I really liked to only auditioning for two <laughs> so I only auditioned for Point Park University and then University of the Arts um I did the same monologues for both auditions. Uh, when I uh, when I auditioned for University of the Arts, they kind of I, I only applied for the acting BFA that they offered, and then of they had like a, a seminar type, not a seminar, but they had like a little meeting with everyone who was auditioning, and they said like we don't want to hold anybody back. So if you have interest in the directing and publishing department or like the uh I don't know what the exact term of it was but basically like backstage stuff uh you know like stagecraft that major at their school you, you could uh, like interview for them today and still get accepted into the one that you originally applied for and that one um so when I went there I went in for acting and just like I, I did the monologue I did what I knew what I wanted to do and it went great and then I was like hey can I like interview for the directing one they're like oh absolutely yeah so I did that and I got in for both there and I believe I found out about them first I think they sent me my letter first I and they did, I, yeah. yeah but I had auditioned for Point Park first and I kind of I came here I was really comfortable I like I talked to some people here but I really wanted to be with myself when I was waiting because I was the last one to go so I was like, I don't want to like talk to many, too many people. I don't want, you know, something they say to psych me out. Like, this is where I want to go. So I don't want to jinx it at all. And then it came down to my turn. I was the only one sitting in the little lobby <laughs> and they were like, all right, you can go in whenever you're ready. And I just went in and just, I don't, I didn't even like, I think I talked to both. I think it was April and John who were in there. I want to say. And I think I talked to them for like five minutes before I even, and it wasn't the interview portion. It was literally just, I walked in and started talking to them. And then I slated and did my piece. They gave me corrections and April ended up like coming down and sitting right next to me. And I did the monologue, like looking in her eyes. <laughs> um, and they were like, that was really good. And they're like, all right, so like we have a couple questions we want to ask you. The interview went way longer than it should have just because like I I was just talking to them. Like I You're was also just a very talkative person. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I'm just yeah, and I'm really talkative and the questions they ask, 
I got really deep with. So those questions, like the, the original question they asked, I got really deep with, and they had a branch off question. I answered that one. And then we went to their actual second question. And then that one had the same effect of like more questions. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then when I found out that I got into Point Park, it was kind of just, that's it. Like, that's where I'm going to go. And like, no, no hate or no hate, no shade to University of the Arts. They're not a bad second choice to have. They were my second choice, but they're not a bad second choice to have at all. But I just, I knew where I wanted to go. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just like branching off of that, like, um, you were talking about the other night about how you were originally like you auditioned for the acting program there and now you're is it theater studies theater arts i don't know what it's called there oh yes you did ask that <laughs> you just, yeah so it's the it's a theater arts bfa um i did apply for the acting bfa when um i originally auditioned and then i sent a thank you email to I think it was both April and John. And at that time, I, um, I was directing the one act, like Rules for Coming Out. Uh, and I said, I was like, you should come see the show. I was like, Lincoln Park isn't super far away from Point Park. Um, I would, I'm directing, like, I'm, this is like my directing debut. I would love for you guys to see it and just see what else I can do um, and like what else I have to offer. And they said that, like, unfortunately, they wouldn't be able to come, which I didn't think they would. But right, I just right, wanted right. To, like, Throw I it out there. Like, show off a little bit, but also be like, thank you for letting me audition for your school. <laughs> <laughs> like that type of thing. Um, and then when I got the email, it in the email it said, congratulations, you've been accepted into Point Park. And then it talked about like my academic acceptance. And at the very bottom, it was like, unfortunately, you did not get into the acting BFA program, but we think you would fit in better at the theater arts one. And then I, I obviously like I accepted it. Yeah, of course, <laughs> um, of course. But I did email somebody afterwards and was just kind of like, why? Not in like a shitty way, but just like, why? <laughs> and they said they were like, well, they're like on your resume, you have, your resume wasn't a typical acting BFA resume. They're like, you, they're like, you had many more, like they, not many more, that's not correct English, but they were like, you just had a lot of other stuff going on that added to what you want to do. And we think that you would fit in better here. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I agreed to, because I've, um, like, I know next year it's going to be very directing heavy, or at least that's what I've heard from upperclassmen that are in the theater arts BFA program. Um, it's going to be very, uh, directing heavy and directing classes. And right now at the, uh, as my freshman year, it's very like performance heavy. Uh, so, and I, I, I like that cause I'd like to not, that's if you're at Lincoln park, if you're in the theater department, you're not just doing, you ha always have an acting class, but like I had a directing class, I had a makeup class, I had a costumes class, I had movement, I had other, you know, and then there was drama lit, there was, you know. It wasn't just acting, it was everything. Right, it was everything under the sun of what yeah. theater was. And that was cool, I liked that about the, the program yeah. in high school. It's like a continuation of high school for you. Yeah, it is. And it's definitely, it's an upgraded version of it, for sure. One hundred, yeah. <laughs> but I learned that today <laughs> in my one class. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's nice to not be... And not that like 
acting BFA majors are pigeonholed, but it's nice that I kind of have that leeway of like, you know, cause I, I remember in high school when I took my directing class, I wasn't excited about it. Like I didn't, not that I didn't think I would like it, but I just didn't know if I'd be good at it. Like I was right. like, no, I don't think I'll be good at this. And like, I don't want to just make like, I don't want to make a scene basic and dumb and like what, like what even is basic and dumb? Like I wouldn't even know. And then after the class, I really liked it. And then once I actually got to be behind the director, even though the show never got to debut because yeah. of COVID, but like getting to be behind the table and do all of that and really just like, I mean, I was allowed to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Like that, I was right. like, I'm gonna make a movie. <laughs> I was like, there's gonna be a film sequence. And that's the thing that's again. so cool about writing and directing is that like, like when you're acting like this is what we're working on in class right now so i'm just like it's on the top of my mind but like when you're acting like you have to like make something someone else wrote work for you which is cool and awesome and has its own challenges and everything but when you're writing or directing it's just like pretty much a blank canvas and you can be like okay now like let's fucking yeah. go like it was cool too because i definitely i wanted to find when i was like directing a show i I went out of my way to find a show that was newer because I wanted to be able to contact the writer. Cause I knew that I was like, I want, I didn't want it to just be like, and not that there's anything wrong with them, but I didn't want it to be how most one acts are where it's just like a set and actors and they come in, they come out. Like I wanted it to be something else. I wanted film in it. I wanted to work with the media department um, on something so when I found rules for coming out, I just, I literally went on Instagram and I Googled or not Googled. Oh my God. I went on Instagram, <laughs> but I went on Instagram and in the search bar, I typed in the playwright's name and the first profile that popped up was her. And in her bio, it had a link for her, for the show. So I was like, right. oh, this is her. And then I followed her. I DM'd her and told her I was doing the show. And I was like, I'd love to like really get your insight on the characters. And I was like, also, I have a couple ideas of like what I want to do for the show, but I don't want to do them unless I don't have, unless I have your permission. Like right. I need, I need your permission that I'm allowed to do this because it's your show. And then when I told her about the stuff that I wanted to do and I wanted to add and I wanted to throw in there, she was like, no, please do it. Like, please make it yours. And I, I just, I love that. Like I love getting to, to I love getting to sit in Starbucks with, my coffee and my panini and just like type and like every you know because for a long time I thought that I was just weird I was like when I listen to certain songs why do I see a set and why do I see people and why do I like why do I see conflicts of like certain actors I could play it and then it made sense because like oh because I have that part of my brain that like director part I, and I hate saying that because I'm in no way any means a director but like I have that gene, I guess. Of right, like, right, right. No, I understand. You can, like, make a show if you really wanted to. Right. And I, I don't know. I think it takes a certain type of person. And, like, I don't know. Of course, being an actor takes a lot of creativity as well because, like, you have to, like, create a circumstance oh, yeah. and create a character and all the shit. But, like, at the same time, like, being... And it's so... I, I think that's the thing, too, that a lot of people who aren't in this world of theater don't realize is, like, being an actor isn't just getting a script and memorizing it and then saying it a certain way. Like in my acting class, we have five books to read by different, they're all old white men that wrote the books, <laughs> but they're like they're different books on 
audition techniques, script analysis. Uh, there's one book that's called Book the Fucking Job, and it's just this guy's like tips of like what you need to do as an actor to really get into the character and to really go into an audition or a rehearsal space and sell it and make it good and make it your own. And it's so much of letting, it, it's so much of, I'm I'm literally like talking about the, this is like an actual section from the book I just had to do in, in last week's readings, but you have to give up yourself. You have to give up your brain for however long your scene is or for however long your show is because you aren't you you're the character and the only way that it's going to be believable and that you're going to feel good about the performance is by giving up yourself to be that person right totally and it's yeah and it that's it's so like emotional and thought-provoking and I don't know. I think everyone should do theater. <laughs> I think everyone should do theater because you realize like how much actually goes into it and you really become self-aware. Right. And I don't know. I just think that like my teacher has this Steve, Steve Snyder, if you want to look him up, um, <laughs> he has this, this theory of like actors are sort of like firefighters because you have to like walk head on into things that something that into like a burning fire and try to put it out you know what i mean and it's just yes. like you're putting yourself true. in circumstances that are like not gonna be hurtful for you like obviously like if you're acting and you're in that much emotional pain then go to a therapist but like <laughs> yeah but like i don't know you're just putting yourself in very emotionally and physically taxing situations and so like it is really yeah, I don't know. And I always just think about how, like, when, like, people will come see you in a show, they'll be like, was it hard to memorize all those lines? And I was like, well, like, partly, but, like, that was, like, step one. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and especially, like, it's step one, but it's also, like, depending on the show, that's the easiest part, remembering the lines. Like, memorizing totally. the lines. Because once you, I, and I used to get so annoyed when, not annoyed, but I used to get so, because I, I definitely, like, I... I like being off book. Being off book helps me during the rehearsal. Like if I'm in a show, I hold on to my script for as long as I can just for comfort. But like, I like being off book as soon as possible because you can really play. But as soon as it's true, as soon as you have the lines down, that's when you can really act. Right. That's it's, it's like step one and the easiest process is just getting the lines memorized. And then you can go into that you can be the firefighter in the situation and just go into it head on and really you're not gonna be waiting for the next line you're gonna be listening to hear what your other like what your partner has to say and then you can react to it with the line that you're given right. in the way that the character would right and i don't know and i feel like when you're on book for a show <laughs> like it's so easy to like just like read the lines how you think they should be read as opposed to like when you put your script down and you like just let shit happen it's so yeah. much more like natural and reactionary and it's, oh it's so, and cool. it's so true and there's been so many times too where after I'm, I'm i no longer have the script when i say a line if i say it differently i realize that i was interpreting it wrong and i was like no like like uh, the book was like being having the script like being on book was kind of messing me up like this is how the line should be said to get the laugh or to get the effect totally um yeah so okay so 
we're going to bring things back to your one act because I just have a few questions following that. And you got there kind of naturally, so that was cute. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but so the one thing that you that you touched on was how you um usually one acts are very play are well obviously they're plays but like <laughs> it's usually only on stage but you decided to put a film aspect and have like the first three to five minutes of your one act be a little like movie for the audience to watch like one how did that idea like pop up was that something you always wanted to do and like two how did you go about like deciding how that was going to work it was something I always, whenever I was in the One Act Festival my sophomore year, and then I saw it freshman year. I, I think I saw it in person freshman year, and then junior year I watched the recording of it. Um, yeah, I did, because I wanted to see yours, but I couldn't. I forget why, but I couldn't, like, go to the actual show. Right. Um, and I always said, like, I was like, why aren't they putting film in it? Or why isn't there, like modern music and not in like a shitty way not in like a what are they doing because like all of them are good but like I was like why aren't they doing like why aren't they like going harder like like this is your shot like just take like take your shot like do you know so it started out with the songs (laughs) I the in the and I kept it too the ending song um, was a song by Modern Baseball, and it's a great, it's, uh, it, oh God, I can't even think of the name right now, but it's a great song, and I really loved it, so I was like, I'm gonna keep that in, and then the first two songs that I put in the show that were in the film element of it, um, I just really liked, and I was like, these should be used more in shows, because they're good, they're great songs, and they're a little bit older, but like, they're still great, um, so it started out with those. I just wanted them in the show and I didn't know where to put them. And then I had had experience doing shows where it was, some of it was, there was film in it to, for the transitions or there was film in it to uh, help the audience understand what was going on and put it and keep it in the main character's uh, POV, but just, you know, to spice it up a little bit. Right. Um, and with knowing that I was like, I definitely can like work around this. Uh, and in the script for rules for coming out, they're originally on the phone the whole time. And they're in one girl, the Lauren is in her car and then Liam is in his room. And I was like, there's not a lot of blocking I can do with that. I don't like that. They're on the phone the whole time, but I like the phone aspect. So then I was like, well, why isn't it FaceTime? And then I was like, I could do a FaceTime on the screen. I was like, if I'm already having a FaceTime on the screen, I'm gonna, I was like, I want it to open like it's a movie and I want it to close like it's a movie. So then I kind of, I, I, I stayed up one night until like four in the morning and I had the three songs I really liked on repeat in my earbuds, like very loud <laughs> and just paced around my tiny room at home writing in my notebook like different ideas I had and if I didn't like it I'd scratch it out and if I you know I was like oh wait that might work I'd rewrite it down and scratch it out and I very like if someone walked in they would send me away it, <laughs> it looked bad like it it looked bad but it worked because right, I then right. I was like oh I was like I can still keep Lauren in her car like she could for that the FaceTime I was like we could just show her leaving from somewhere getting in the car 
it could be from the backseat perspective and like it, it would look so cool and then it would transition to the FaceTime and at the very end we could have that cool like movie shot of the bat of the tire rolling like reversing like the car reversing but it's just the shot of the tire um and I just once I got it all down that that following Saturday I went to a Starbucks and I took the script like I took the actual script with me I wrote out the entire it's only eight pages so it wasn't like tasking but I typed out all 18 pages of it and then I just started putting in what I liked and then I would write in the actual script what was going to happen on index cards and then I just I went home and I sat in my room and I I went I read the lines as they would be and I thought about the films and it it worked so then I took it to Michael Malley uh and Keigio and them and they figured out how to make the film work and how they would film it and they were totally down to do it and they were all like pretty excited about it um sorry um, just for just for the listener's ear can you explain like the people and the dynamic oh of yes so uh Keigio or Zach Keigio is uh, a teacher at Lincoln Park who specializes in film <laughs> and then Michael Malley at the time was a junior at Lincoln Park um who does amazing work all around very good uh but i wanted him to be the head of film because i I, him and i were pretty tight and i was like i feel like he understands what i want and i i I don't also i was like also i don't think what i want is like super complicated i mean i don't i don't do anything you know i've I've acted in some films but other than that i don't know how to operate a camera so like i don't think it's going to be super challenging for them right um so I brought it to them. They were super down to do it. And then I went to my interview for the one act and I explained it exactly how I performed my, I performed it as a one woman show in my room. And then how I presented the film elements to uh, Michael and Mr. Kakeo. Yeah. Totally. Um, so like going off of that, um, you are someone who's like, so at our high school, we did, we were able to audition for and be in a series of short films, um, student-directed short films, and you were someone who was very active in that, and so, like, as someone who's, like, been in a lot of short films, not only at Lincoln Park, but at Point Park, and someone who's also worked extensively in theater, do you have a preference, and how do you approach each each thing differently as an actor? Um, I don't know if I have a preference because I love both for a lot of different reasons, <laughs> but I think I, uh, no, <laughs> well, I think when I was doing my, my junior year was very heavy film. Right. Uh, and then I did some stage productions that year, some awesome stage productions that year. Um, and then like my senior year and towards the end of my sophomore year it was very stage heavy and but like those happened at the right times for me to grow as an actor but also as a person because you you learn a lot of like manners on set for you know like when you're doing film um and i mean on stage too but it's just they're very they're two different worlds right absolutely um, i think i definitely now 
I would, um, I don't even know. I guess I don't have a preference, but I've been like dying to do a film. I, I think just because <laughs> films right now are, or at least the her point park, the they're still like on the, there's a Facebook group where people will post like casting calls for short films within like the film department here at point park. And like, they're still posting them. So I'm guessing that like there there's leeway and there's able to do that. They're, you're able to do them with COVID regulations. Right. Because also film sets tend to have smaller casts and smaller. Yeah. And I, you know, and then your call days, not everyone's there. Like sometimes I could film a scene with one person and the next day was it's with two other completely different people. And that the person from the other shoot isn't there. Right. Um, so I think right now I would love to just be in another short film for, you know, someone because it's just an opportunity to act outside of my classes um, and not have to, like, act virtually via Zoom. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I started in theater, so it always holds a special little place in my heart. Yeah, totally. Um, Since we're there, since we're at you starting in theater... I actually don't know, like, when did you start doing theater and what made you want to start and what was your first show and all of that, like, stuff? Yeah, well, it's, like, it's weird because the buildup for me is very... It shows, like, the luck, I guess, of, like, you know, of situations. But, no, the first time that I ever acted... I was in third grade and we had to do this skit in class about, we were learning different like shapes. So it was like rhombus and parallelogram and uh, what's the trapezoid and like those type of shapes. And I was parallelogram and we were all at a prom and the script was, I mean, it was, it was for third graders. So it was very short, but I, I don't know what like came over me, but I, at the end of it, like improvised lines. (laughs) <laughs> and the teacher, I was worried that the teacher was going to yell at me, but she laughed. Aww. And then the class laughed and they liked it. And then like in my head, I was like, oh, I like this. Like I like, I was like, I want to like act. Like I want to do this. Um, but my family didn't have a lot of money. So like acting lessons weren't like a thing. <laughs> you know, and I lived in Hermitage, PA. Like, right. there, like where's an acting teacher in Hermitage, PA? Um, if there is one that's listening, I'm sorry. I don't know about you. You're probably great. I'm but... sure you're a good acting teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So um, that was like my first introduction to liking that, like liking to be characters and stuff. Um, and then when I was in sixth grade, there was auditions it was sixth and seventh grade there was auditions for musicals not at my school but at another one but it was open to anybody and I went and mind you I I'm not a singer by any means but I just wanted to be in a show yeah and I was reading plays at home and like watching you know I would watch like bootlegs of plays or musicals and you know I'd seen uh kinky boots with uh Billy Porter as like you know as the lead and I was just like, I was like, I have to be in a show. I was like, I don't even care if I'm like literally a person that stands in the background and like, just like, like looks at people. Like, I was like, I just want to like be in a show. Um, and I got a call back for the one. And I remember I went in and I sang and it didn't go well. I could tell they didn't like it. Do you it. remember what show it was? No, I'm just curious. It was Peter Pan. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I sang and it didn't really go that well. I could tell they didn't like it, but I had the 
the script, like the cold read. And when I did it, they laughed and they really liked it. And then she's like, okay, well, can you, she's like, she's like, you took, she's like, you took the lines in a way that we, no one's done before. And we kind of, she's like, we really liked it, but we want to see them this way. Cause they were supposed to be more dramatic. Right. Um, I think it was the, it was the, uh, Mrs. Darling, like the mom. And I said them in a dramatic way and I watched them all like they were writing and then they stopped and like looked up at me and they were all, they had that expression of like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's the thing. Um, like, yeah. I, and I, I ended up not getting the part because to play the mom, you had to be able to, I think it was the mermaids. Like one of the mermaids played the mom. Uh, so I did. Yeah. Like they, they double cast it. So I didn't get the part, uh, because I, the singing wasn't well and, you know, but when I left, it kind of hit me like, I'm not in the right portion or not portion, but I'm not in the right section. Right, right, right. Like, I think I should just do plays. And then I looked up, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'll, I was like, I'll save up money. Like, I was like, I will go, I will get acting lessons. Like, I really want to like do, I don't want to take this like seriously. Like, I want to do acting lessons. So I just typed in acting lessons near me. And the second search, like the search pop up was for Lincoln Park. And I clicked on it and I was like, oh, this is probably in like New York or Chicago or, you know, California, like somewhere where like it's, you know, more common. And then it was in Midland, PA. Right. So that's insane my, that like you just found that. Like, yeah. Like I'd never even, I, I think someone had mentioned it to me. Like, oh, there's a performing arts school you can go to. And I was like, oh, well, cool. But I didn't like think much of it. And then I found, it was literally the second search result. I found it, I clicked, like I clicked on it, I looked into it and then I told my mom and I wasn't having the best time at uh, my old school district that I was getting like teased a little bit and I just wasn't happy there. So, you know, my mom wasn't like, no, you can't like, she's like, no, like if you, if you think you're going to be happier somewhere else and you're going to get to do what you like, like, let's, let's, let's go for this. So she had you know brochures mailed to the house so I could look into them and I was like no I want to do theater I went for my tour and they split the group up into musical theater and theater and there was only two of us for theater it was me and then I don't even I don't think the girl got in (laughs) it was me and the other girl they took us around we saw the school and I like I was just like head over heels like I was like this is like this is like fucking insane like this is so cool yeah and then I, I scheduled my audition. And I remember on the way to the audition, they, cause they gave us those two monologues that we could pick to do. Right, I remember that. And I, the, out of the two, there was the one that I, I had it like half memorized, but I didn't like it. And I was like, I don't like this monologue at all. And my mom was like, well, do you know anything else? And I was like, yeah, I know another one. And then I kind of just, I was sitting in the, it was in the, alum, it was upstairs of alumni hall. And I was sitting in the hallway. Wait, you, you were, you were, you picked a different piece, like the, right before you went in? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I ran, I went, I ran it one time in the car. I did like a drop in of it in the car just to make sure I had it memorized. And then in the hallway, the like that day there was a couple other girls ahead of me so I and I was like the last I'm always the last one to audition for things <laughs> but I was the last one 
And I was just sitting there and was like, I could either do this monologue that I don't like and that I didn't, yeah, I, I don't like it. I, you know, and I was like, and not for nothing, but like it wasn't memorized to where I could act. It was just memorized. Or right. I could do a monologue that like I like and that I could probably like play with a little bit. So I walked in and they said hi and I said my name and they were like, okay, so which piece are you going to do for us? And I was like, well, I actually have a different piece that I brought. I was like, is that okay if I do that? And they're like, oh yeah, certainly. And then I did it. And I remember Miss Sarah was like, that was really good. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. And then I did my interview and um, I also, I did my interview and I remember after that, I walked up to them because I had this manila folder of letters of recommendation from teachers that I was close with at my old school. And I was like, I have these letters of recommendation. Like, I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to give them to you. I was like, you could literally throw them away. I was like, but I just wanted to get them because, like, I, I figured it would, like, look well. And then, and then they laughed when I said that because it was just like, why is this child being so honest? <laughs> <laughs> being so honest. Um, they took it, and then they asked me, like, one other question. And I left, and then I found out that I, I was on a, a school Kennywood trip. And then when I got home, I went up to my mailbox and the, you know, the big envelope was in there. Aww. And anyone who applies to school knows, schools knows the big envelope is always the it's good always one. good news. Like, you'll never open up a big envelope and it's like, you didn't get in. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, unless you're, like, being served papers because someone's, like, suing you. But I, at, at 13, I don't think I was going to get sued. I hope not. I hope no one sued you at 13. Jesus yeah. Christ. I think I was four. No, I was 14. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I opened it and it was like, congratulations, Paige, you brought in. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> huh. Oh, that's so nice. And were you like, were you like, okay, this is what I'm doing? Or was there any like hesitation from like your parents or anything? Or were you like all on board? No, when I, I, at that point, my mom was uh, working during the day. So I would get Daniel, like my little brother off the bus I would come home, I would let myself in with my key, I was home alone, I'd get Daniel off the bus, and then my mom would come home. Um, and when I called my mom, she was, like, so happy, and then she came home with balloons and cupcakes. Aw, that's very yeah. sweet. So, like, literally as soon as we could turn in the papers saying, like, I'm coming to your school, we turned them in, because I was like, no, like, I'm, I gotta go. Right, absolutely, that's awesome. Um, So, yeah, this is a big switch in gears, but, like, I just, you are a person who, like, I know how to get emotionally connected to pieces now as a 18-year-old. I forgot my age for a minute. <laughs> but, like, that is something that I saw you do for the first time when you were 14 or 15. And so, like, I'm just wondering, like, when did you have your first moment of, like, oh, shit, that's what acting is supposed to feel like, like, in an adult way, if that makes sense. Like, when you, like first like did a piece or audition or were in a show or did a scene and felt like oh shit like I almost cried there or I cracked up laughing there and that was so natural like how did how did that come up with how did that like start for you yeah it was definitely my sophomore year is when everything clicked um we did and there it's a it's odd that it was such a it wasn't even a real monologue they were song monologues so you like took a song that you liked and then you just said it as if it was a monologue, like the right. lyrics, you said it like that. And 
I was very nervous to go up and do it. And I felt like the it was a country song and not everyone likes country. So I felt like right up there and then it was dumb. And I don't, I was just, I don't know. I think it was just that thing of like, it. I needed to be vulnerable, but I was afraid to be. So I tried it. I think I had to start over like two or three times. And then I I did it the last time and I like, I just like let myself really hear the words that I was saying. And then I thought of people and I thought of situations I had been in and I like got really choked up and like almost cried. <laughs> and I'm not, you know me, like I'm not a crier. Like I don't, like that's not like my, I mean, like if I'm really close to someone I will, or if it's like a really bad situation I will, but like, I'm not a crier. Right. Often. Uh, yeah. Like I don't, but I like got emotional and I cried. And I remember seeing my teacher, he was like really happy <laughs> that I was. And he was like, good job. And then I remember you, I, after I did it, you whispered to somebody, you were like, that was really good. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> and so then it just like kind of hit for me. And I really, that whole year, I just was like, okay, this is the point. Like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And I want to keep working towards that. And then my junior year, I did a show where I played a single mom um and the third act of that show was very much just like my mom like growing up and everything and that's that's because of that show that's kind of when I realized that like how like that we were you know that my mom had to work really hard when it was her and I and that she kind of had to hide a lot and she had to you know she just had to make it work Right. Because it was just her and I, and she knew that, like, if I was seeing that she was stressed or that she was sad, that it wouldn't be good, you know? And so when I got to do that show, it was very much like, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my mom, and I'm doing this for the other moms out there that, like, you know, they had to put a smile on because their ki they didn't want their kids to see that they were struggling. Right, absolutely. So, and it just, it meant a lot to me because I was like, I've obviously been the child in that situation, but I can't even imagine what it would like to be the mom in that situation. So I need to play this role to the best of my ability because this is someone's reality. Right. So yeah, um, I kind of want to like jump back a little in time. Um, and I remember in sophomore year of high school, you sort of had a hard time and you sort of like lost motivation for acting and what or was that junior year I don't really remember when you had that was junior year my sophomore year when I was when I figured out why acting was cool <laughs> and then junior year you forgot <laughs> yeah not so much that I forgot but I just like was very I don't even know right so like at, when you were very stuck and like unsure and in that really hard place and like how did you like reaffirm yourself and like fall back in love with acting after that long stint of like being having a conflicting relationship with it well it hit me that my it the first thing for me was that it hit me that my junior year was my last year of security when it came to acting somewhere that I was very comfortable right because that following year was my senior year 
And after senior year, it was, I, you know, you, you peace out and then you go somewhere else and you, you know, you study there and you, you know, you grow and everything like that. Um, so that kind of hit me where I was like, I'm wasting my like last year of security and my last year of just, I don't know, just security, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. So it was that. And then I also, I realized that it's okay to be stuck and it's okay to, to be very upset with yourself if something isn't clicking and if there's, you know, if something that you really, really liked isn't hitting you the same way that it was, but you still feel that passion for it, but you just can't, like, there's just this rock that you can't get over. And I realized that that's okay, and that's a part of the growing process. Absolutely. But I realized that if you allow yourself to just keep shitting on yourself and allowing yourself to, like, like, if, if, if the feeling of stuck is a boulder and it's in front of you, if you just stay at the bottom, you're not going to get anywhere. So you might as well try and climb up it. And if you slide down a little bit, that's fine. But you have to keep climbing up it because once you get over it, you're, you're, you're gold, you're good again. And you could grow, you can go from that. Right. 100%. And also it's like, I had a metaphor about the boulder, but I forget what it was. And the thing is like, yeah, getting up the boulder is going to suck. You know what I mean? Because since the passion is, but you have to do it. Right, and it's like, yeah, that's a really interesting, like, way to look at it. And I'm glad that you returned. (laughs) Thanks, me too. Um, Yeah, and I just, because I've seen people that I, you know, I still, we're acquaintances, but I had seen people that were always kind of in that state of stuck, and they were never happy, and they were you know, just finding distractions for themselves. And I realized like, oh, that way might be working for them, but that doesn't work for me. Like, I don't like finding a quick distraction and then having to go back to reality. Cause that almost hits you right. harder. And also I feel like me and you are similar in the sense that like, and I, I think most people are like this where like, no one wants to sit in a shitty feeling and we want to take control of our lives. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like at that point you had like an option of either like just sort of like sitting in the shit or like controlling and like deciding to like take the next step. And like, I don't know, it's just interesting how other different people handle certain situations. And I think too that I'm a very stubborn person at times. And if I don't like what I'm doing, we talked about this earlier today. If I don't like what I'm doing, I'm not going to work, not work hard at it but I'm not going to try as hard because right. I don't like it. And I, I'm working on it. I'm try, I mean, I'm 19. I have a lot of time, but I, I'm working on it now because it's not a very, it's okay to be stubborn at times, but that's not something that you should be like, that's not something you should allow yourself to be stubborn with. Um, but I was, you know, there we, we were tackling new things in my acting class that I, it, that wasn't clicking and in my movement class, we were tackling new things that weren't clicking for me. And I didn't feel comfortable. And I didn't like, I didn't like not feeling comfortable because for so long I did. And then I right. realized that's, that's also kind of the point. Like you shouldn't, you should feel confident, but you should, feeling uncomfortable is okay. 
because you need to work. You need to use that. You need to work with that. You need to, you know. And I think totally. And I think it's also distinguishing like what discomfort is helpful for you and what's not because I don't know. I I took dance classes for like five years and like, and I was so uncomfortable in them and I hated them. And I knew that that was just not going to be helpful for me. And then my senior year of high school, I transferred to be a theater major and I started taking like stage combat classes and I sucked at them and they were really uncomfortable. But I was like, this is like a discomfort I can get through that I can like, and I feel like it's really important to distinguish like what discomfort you can sit in and what, and what discomfort you can't, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, that if you, if you're too comfortable doing something it's not good because you're you're comfortable you're not going to try and push harder you're not going to try and go further so to be uncomfortable is good because you can you can work with that you can work past it and then you can get to a further point you can you know you can you can reach new boundaries because of yeah, totally. And like, I use that word wrong. Um, is it? It's not. It's not uncomfortableness. That's not a word. I was saying discomfort, but I don't discomfort. know. Discomfort. Yeah. Okay. That's the word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And like, this is a really random example, but I did a summer program with this kid, and all of his monologues were very angry and aggressive. And one, a teacher gave him a monologue that was very like joyous and happy and exciting, and he did. He got the monologue. And she came out of class and he was like, I hated that. Like, that just felt so weird and uncomfortable. And I heard my friend talk to him and was saying, like, listen, like, that was the best work we've ever seen you do. And I feel like a lot of people produce so much in their discomfort, which is only slightly relevant, but I just thought it was a fun anecdote. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So, like, this question is brought to you by our good friend, Sydney Snow. (laughs) Fun! Because we were just... (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. Um, so Sydney's a friend of ours who is a mutual friend of ours who I was talking to as I was creating the list of questions that I was going to ask Paige. And this is one that she was like, wanted me to ask and I realized it was a really fun question. So yeah, um, so you, at Lincoln Park, like what was your proudest acting moment? Like what moment in your, how long were you at Lincoln Park? Five years? Were you Five. the proudest of? Um probably roots um explain. probably roots explain what roots is oh it's so hard to like i pull up the the <laughs> fucking <laughs> the synopsis from the, the center um the so basically center. like our school it's, does a thing called ensemble immersion every it's yeah, not our school anymore but our high school like, um i'll like here so ensemble immersion is a new works program at our old high school um, where it's student based. So it's student actors, uh, they'll maybe have like one of the teachers go in, uh, but it's mainly students, uh, students write it, they, students write it, they do the advertising, they, what else do they do? They pr- produce it. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, you know, and then there's obviously, uh, there's teachers that help them along the way. There were, there's three teachers normally that help them along the way. Um, but it's mainly, it, they they market it as like a student made uh, program. Um, in the the show that I did, Roots, it took place over three decades, um, but it was about one family. It was kind of like This Is Us. <laughs> a little yeah, bit, it kind of was. Kind of, it was like This Is Us, um, 
my character didn't come in until the second act and then she finished out the show but she was kind of the rock that at least this is how this is not my words this is how literally i walked in for the table reading uh and dr goodman was like oh you're the rock and i was like Dwayne. <laughs> and he was like no the rock character and i was like oh yeah um my character was kind of the rock of the show because she uh she carried the storyline and she kind of tied at the end she kind of tied everything together and you could see how it progressed um but she when she comes in it's the 80s and she is married there it's like a they're a young couple uh and she finds out that she's pregnant like right at the top of the second act and her husband gets it's it, it, it there it's the, the rise of technology so he's very invested in that he's very invested in working and not really paying attention to her at a time that is so delicate for a woman and so impactful for not only just a woman but just for a, a husband and a wife to share together and she realizes that this like he's not focused it's not so much about the technology that he's more focused on but he's more focused on himself right. and she realizes that that's not a good environment for her to be in and for her to raise a child in so she leaves him um and then the third act opens and it's in the 2000s and she has a teenage son and she's a, she's a lot older she's a teenage son and she's you know single mom and it working real hard um and they're poor and she ends up having to they get evicted and she has to move back home with her mom and her son doesn't want to go because he you know he has a really good close friend and he's about to you know embark on important chapters of his life in high school and he's like i just don't want to he's like why would i want to pack up my life and leave when i'm about to do all these important things with the only people i've known um right so she has to kind of she has to let him go the same way that she had to not the exact same way but you know she has to let him go similar to how she had to let her husband go but this but this time with her son it's more of her realizing that you know life life goes on life right. happens and um, people have to grow totally um random question but like how did you approach playing the same character in different points of her life? Because I feel like someone who is, I don't know, like 23 versus someone who is in their 40s or 50s and in different decades, like, how did you approach the character in different ways to make sure it seemed played as the same character but in different yeah. ages? Well, so I watch the recording of the show now and I cringe um, because I would go, I would, I would, I, about performance wise, I would go about it a lot differently, but the, I also remember that I was a junior at the time and, you know, I, I, you, you know, you, you live and you learn, but, <laughs> um, it, I, it, again, the way that I approach things, if somebody walked in the room as it was happening, they would send me away because I took the big uh the big construction paper that elementary school teachers use that has the the thick lines on it i bought a sheet of that like i bought like the actual like you know it has the handle on it i bought that and i wrote her name was eugenie and i wrote eugenie in the center and i put a circle around it and i drew i divided the 
the I divided it horizontally so there was the top half and the bottom. The top was the 80s and the bottom was the 2000s. And I put on different songs for each section and I just wrote I and I I put on different songs and I read those sections of the script. And as I was reading them, I was writing what I felt and I was writing what I think the character would feel and I it very like sporadic like everything it was overlapping and it was right, right, right. there's this one movie that jim carries in where he like he writes on walls i forget what the movie's called but he like he reads a book and he gets obsessed with the book and he starts writing on walls and it gets real bad that's what this paper looked like <laughs> it was it was very like sporadic and things right, right, right. Out. and then i you know and i kind of i went corner to corner so like the 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 top left corner was at the very beginning of act two and then the bottom of the bottom right corner was at the end of act two so it you could see where it progressed and then i did the same thing at the bottom with 2000s and again it was just sporadic and it was just going of like you know at certain lines how i would feel or like how she was feeling or you know just what i think was going on um and as chaotic and sloppy and messy as it looked it helped me divide the two and it really helped me see that you know not that I've left a husband not that I've gotten pregnant and left a husband but not that you had to let your teenage son go like <laughs> yeah not that I had to let a teenage son go and that you know I I, I was <laughs> I had to move back in with my mother um but I realized that I, I was very especially 80s Eugenie I was very similar to her because she was young and you know, then the 2000s one, it was very similar to my mom. Right. So when I was doing the 80s one, I was playing on her naiveness at the top of the show, kind of how I was and how I still kind of am naive in situations when it comes to spouses. Um, <laughs> and so I played on that a lot. And then I just, for the 2000s, I just really worked off of obviously like that was all very much observations of my mom like a lot of like the movements I had and the way that I would say lines was like how my mom talks um she was the inspo hi Tam (laughs) (laughs) she she was like the inspo for me for that especially but I I really played on her hurt because she you know she doesn't date in the she's I, I I talked with uh Mr. Kegio was helping with that show as well. And I said, I was like, I feel that Eugenie has not touched touched another man since Carl. That was her husband right. from Act 2. I was like, I don't think she's dated at all. And he's like, I don't think she has either. And so I played on that hurt of like, she was in love and she thought she found the person and they were young and they got married and then she got pregnant and she was so happy. And then she realized that like, he doesn't give me as much attention as I should and that's that's hurt that'll last that that's hurt that'll like stay with you for a long time yeah I tried to play on that as much as I could yeah absolutely can you like move your phone off the bed a little bit me yeah I don't know what's happening but the audio is just kind of fucked right now are you gonna edit that out I mean, I'll tr- I can- I'm gonna edit out my asking to move your phone, but I'm not gonna edit out that question because you had a really good answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. I moved it, so I'll just I'll keep talking. That way, when you edit it, I- it could just sound like we went right from that. But um, yeah. So the way that 
the way I approach most things that I really care about and really get deep involved into like the you know directing the show or roots or I, I kind of did that clue was very impactful for me too even though it's clue um, <laughs> um that was you know the way I approach things that I really I really deeply uh care for is weird and sporadic and like again give me a lobotomy but <laughs> you know like it, it works yeah absolutely it works and it it works and it definitely helps me like I'm a visual person I have to see things for what they are and I could either write all over my script and erase it and have it be sloppy or I could just buy elementary school teacher paper and just stay up till I probably stayed up till like I don't know what it is with me and like working at night but like with Roots I think I stay up till like three Right. And just, just like writing and fucking, fucking like had like video killed radio star on and like, just, like going. <laughs> and then like I think for the two thousands I put on like oh I'll find the song oh it, no wait what song was it it was some emo ass song I can't I I don't want to like open Spotify and then the call end but it was just like some like emo sad breakup song and I was just like mm, sad <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I love that. Um. <laughs> For the people listening, um, I on this call I move my hand around like a lunatic <laughs> to, to show the drawings and the writing. Um. So last question, and it's kind of a heavy question to end on, but here we are. Um, so you recently, after the during quarantine and after the killing of George Floyd, you participated in a protest local to where you are and it caused some like backlash from people who were like close in your life and it was like there was some like you had gotten like arguments and debates about like going to this protest and supporting black lives matter so if you could just like talk a little bit about that and like how that affected you and everything um yeah so there was a like a blm protest in my town which i was surprised i mean i i guess i wasn't surprised by it but i kind of was because it's hermitage is such a small conservative town and it's like you know and even sharpsville and all of that um it's just such a weird area but they were having one and i you know i i knew the pro the one in pittsburgh i wanted to go to as well but that one got kind of intense there was tear gas and like rubber bullets so I was kind of glad I didn't go to that one because I knew that if I was in all of that my mom would be worrying I would be scared like it would just you know right um, and it did get yeah 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 so I would you know I was glad I was able to participate uh safely with the one in my town um but yeah I had a, a close friend of mine who I had known since I was in the eight, he was a lot older than me. And I mean, he still is older than me, but, um, I met, he actually I, went down in age. Like he just like, he's aging progressively backwards. Sorry. It was just a joke. Yeah. But it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, so, um, I met him when I was in eighth grade and then he was in, he was in college. I met him through my aunt who she, my aunt's 23 now at the time. I think she was like 20. So I, I met him, he was like in college um but we just we were good like we just clicked like I don't know we were just like yeah we're good friends um he's very conservative uh, big Trump supporter you know um so 
we were kind of on and off at that point anyway because some stuff had happened uh, with one of his family members uh, and me. (laughs) Uh, Toxic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, some of that type of, you know, some of that type of rendezvous bullshit happened. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) rendezvous of two years, Um, (laughs) you know, that kind of all went down and he wasn't, you know, I, I, he, that was his brother. So I, you know, you know, I figured that he would take, not take his side, but just like, you know, be more on his defense. Um, but he was a very bad friend to me in that time because I was, you know, everything that I was looking forward to at school, the teachers that I loved, my friends, like it was all like one by one, just like ripped away from me at a time. And then, you know, the way things had ended with his, family member was very bad and very reflective of that person. Um, So I needed a friend and he just like was not there for me at all. And we were kind of patching things up at that point, but not really, but it it was civil. Um, I had posted about the marches on my Snapchat and he unadded me and then he he unfollowed me on Instagram. I posted about them on there. And he said that he needed to do it for his mental health because he was just sick of seeing it all over his pages, which is just like that's like so bullshitty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he ended up adding me back, and like we went toe to toe about it because he was like, you know, like just saying how silly it was, but it really wasn't. And any time that I, you know, spoke my voice about why I went, it was just like you know but but they're criminals but they're this but they're that they're just very like racist stupid like you know white guy bullshit right. <laughs> like just spewing out of this motherfucker's mouth <laughs> like, you know like just it was just that and um we we aren't on talking terms right now which i think is the best thing for me because again he you know, hasn't been a good friend to me in the last couple months. So, like, at this point, it's just like, oh, well. Um, right. And it's also- it's, it, it also just showed me that politics shouldn't affect friendships, I feel. And I feel like if there's friends that aren't of the same, you know, party, then just don't talk about it. Or if you do, don't let it get to that point. And I never did. That was my thing. I never... You know, I, I wouldn't argue with him when he would post his Trump stuff, when he would wear, you know, he this, like, one hoodie he had, it, it, you know, and, like, I, I would never do Wait, was what was on the hoodie now? I'm curious. Was it just, like, a Trump hoodie? It was one about, like, sh- it was either, like, shooting Hillary or, like, shooting Obama or Ugh. something. Like, it was just, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I never said there was, the, I think in our friendship, we only had one actual fight about politics and he started it he brought all of it up and i just wasn't like i was just like at first i wasn't giving into it and then i got mad because he was just saying stupid stuff um but it just kind of showed like how i don't even it just like showed me like right and it's also just like and i sometimes i do agree that like politics shouldn't offend affect friendships but at the same time 
like the way people go about politics a lot of the time can very much show their like moral compass and the way that you're yeah. describing it like even though you guys were on weird terms like the fact that he was just like was willing to unfollow you because of you stood up for something you believed in and for and we're fighting for social justice and the fact that that made him want to be like oh i'm done with everything it almost shows like how morality comes out even in things that yeah when especially something as like like it's snapchat like you don't have to like it's not it's not like instagram where it pops up and then you have to scroll past it you literally don't have to click on my name right and you won't see it so to fully unact and again it's snapchat so i'm not like he added me but it's that thing of like you don't have to see it if you don't want to like you took very drastic measures um yeah it just showed the morality of people and then it also just kind of showed like now i look at it and i'm like when it's when you outgrow people you see the signs and you just kind of have to accept that that's happening and that it's okay and that it might be really sad but at the end of the day not everyone you meet is going to stick around in your life forever right and i don't know i think this is random but i just think there's a lot of societal pressure on like the the idea of like a best friend forever when like i feel like you someone can be mean a lot to you in your life and then you outgrow them and that's okay and i feel like we need people should be more like willing to talk about that yeah and i still like i would do if he called me right now or like I after this, you know, after our interview. <laughs> um, but like, if he were to call me at any point and be like, "I need your help," or like, "I need to talk to somebody," or "I want to talk to you," like, I would give him the time of day because obviously we, I, I'd known him since I was thirteen years old. Like, I care about him, so I would. But I think it's that, and I love his dad to death, and I love his stepmom to death, and like his, you know, like they're oh my god but like the great people his dad and stepmom are great people I love them so much but um it's that thing of like it you can still love someone but that doesn't mean that they have to be around forever and it's okay right absolutely well, Paige, I'm so glad we had you on, and thank you for coming yeah. out to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I feel like I'm going to listen back to it and be like, oh my god, I sound so dumb, but <laughs> I'm so glad Don't I worry, I do on. it every time I record one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I got to be on. Aw. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Artists, Actors, and Activists of the 21st Century. I loved having Paige on. That girl is just such an open book, and as a podcast host, it's so nice to have someone like her on, and I hope she had the same effect on all of you. If you liked what you heard and you would like to hear some more, tune in next week to hear the amazingly talented Juilliard student, Lily Gibson, talk about her talent, her poetry, and her activism. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Artists, Actors, Activists Podcast. Once again, that is Artists, Actors, Activists Podcast on Instagram. There you get a bit of a sneak preview of each episode before it's released, and you get to learn a little bit more about each of my guests. I'll see you next time.